This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to this episode. It's number 16 of the Law Podcasting Podcast, and as the announcer so kindly said, Gordon Firemark, your cruise director. And this is the show where I bring you information about how lawyers can use the power of podcasting and media generally to support and develop their businesses, even if they're not specifically addressing law topics in their uh, in their content creation. My guest today is Lee Rosen, founder of the Rosen Law Firm, a North Carolina-based family law firm, of which he is the CEO and oversees its strategic planning, staff development, and fiscal management. He's tremendously active in bar associations and committees, and he serves on the editorial board of Family Advocate, that's the largest family law publication in the U.S., as well as a legal advisor to the National Council of Juvenile and Family Court Judges. Lee enjoys writing articles, lecturing to civic groups on the subject of how to stay happily married, uh, giving CLE courses to lawyers in the family law area, as well as flying, scuba diving, canoeing, and stewed collard greens, which he considers the greatest food ever invented. He is an avid traveler and enjoys to go, uh, going places and doing activities that really get one's adrenaline flowing. He's recorded hundreds of episodes for StayHappilyMarried.com, uh, NC Divorce Talk Radio, and Divorce Discourse. But uh, he told me in our pre-interview that he's only recording a little bit uh, sporadically these days, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the, in the conversation. Um, but he is a master at creating excellent content on a consistent basis, largely these days for his blog at uh, DivorceDiscourse.com, which I consider required reading for anybody who's starting, running, or growing a law firm, whether in the divorce space or uh, any other field as well. So, Lee, thank you very much for being with us. Well, it's great to be here. Now, because I know you travel so much, I have to ask where you are uh, coming from right now. South Beach, down in Miami on, on South Beach, where it is nice and warm and sunny and beautiful today. That is awesome. And you told me that you and your wife are moving down there, and uh, um, uh, the, the firm is still based in North Carolina, yeah? The firm is in North Carolina, but uh, uh, about three years ago, we allowed everybody to start working remotely, and mm-hmm. we, we paired our offices down to simply conference rooms in four different cities, four different locations. Fantastic. And so the team has really spread out. We've got people in – somebody in Bulgaria, oh. uh, other states. The, the lawyers tend to congregate around the offices, but everybody else and even some of the lawyers have really spread out all over the world. Oh, that's amazing. I mean obviously they have to – someone has to be there to go to court. <laughs> when there's a that's court That's exactly <laughs> right. And it really depends on their function. But sure. exactly right. Okay. Okay. What's your next destination? Uh, we'll be in uh, Germany for a big part of the summer in Berlin. And I do these workshops. I'll be doing one in London. We'll be in Spain some and then doing a transatlantic cruise back to the U.S. in oh, the fall. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Um, so let's get the podcasting stuff out of the way. I want to talk about content creation gen- more generally, but uh, you, you have done a lot of podcasting over the years, and you told me that you're not really recording new episodes these days. So I want to talk a little bit about all that. What, what's the show's been called again? It was uh, Well, the, one, the biggest one was Stay Happily Married, and I checked this because I knew we'd be talking. We did 316 episodes of Stay Happily Married and just put it on hiatus about a month ago. We've done 228 episodes of what was called North Carolina Divorce Talk Radio, which was a live call-in show where lay people called in and asked uh, legal questions. 
And then the blog, Divorce Discourse, uh, we've done about 30-odd shows just sort of to supplement the, the written content. Had about 2 million uh, downloads for about 570-some-odd episodes. That's pretty incredible numbers. So um, – and, and all of these were targeted directly at the client-facing kind of audience? The Stay Happily Married and Divorce Talk Radio were totally directed at clients. Yeah, the divorce discourse stuff right, obviously right. is not. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when you got started doing this, how did that come about? What, what motivated it and uh, how would you get set up? Well, motivated, uh, you know, I'll try anything. And we started back in January of 2008. The first upload was the 23rd of January, 2008. And, uh, and, and it was a hot topic. People were debating and whether it would work or not and discussing it. So we decided to try it. And, uh, and, and we've stuck with it more or less with Stay Happily Married. We've gone straight through. The Divorce Talk Radio mm-hmm. kind of came and went, but it was replaced – We got rid of the podcast and replaced it with uh, webinars. And immediately the audience uh, went up at least five times uh, from what it was as a a live internet radio show, podcast, whatever you want to call it. And it was clear to us in retrospect that it was all about the name, that people understood what a webinar was. They did not understand what a podcast or what internet radio was. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so um, as far as getting the, the technical aspects of things started, tell me, tell me a little bit about that. How did you get set up? And Well, I'm a, I, you know, I've read enough about you to know that you're a tech geek. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I really do believe that the one who dies with the most toys wins. <laughs> And so I bought, we built out an entire TV slash radio studio for the audio. We bought a vocal booth. Oh, wow. Um, we bought, uh, e- e- you know, everything from the, uh, the Heil PR40s, the ElectroVoice RE20s, oh, yeah. the Telos telephone interfaces. We bought voice processors. I mean, we had guys out there integrating the vocal booth with the HVAC system, and then we did all the video on top of that. So, oh, wow. you know, I, I'm in, I want to be in the running for that dying with the most toys. <laughs> go big or go home, right? Well, and it is, it's just cool stuff to play with. So, yeah. I mean, I was having a blast. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of that's 2008 also. You're, you're, you're back in time a few years. It's gotten a little easier to do this more cost effectively without you know the quite the size investment that you're talking about. It was but probably uh, a lot easier back then too. But that would have been not buying. All <laughs> you the don't get to buy all the toys, right? Right. right, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, what were some of the challenges about doing the shows? I mean, how often were you doing it? Almost it must have been weekly. Stay or happily married was every has been every week for the last five or or six years. Mm-hmm. I guess six years. Um, divorce uh, talk radio was often uh, twice a week. Uh, we would do two live oh, wow. shows a week for much of the time, and then and then I think we eventually went down to yeah. uh, once a week. And what was the but, format of that? It was a, you said it was a live show. It was a live show. Uh, people would call in oh, okay. and ask questions while we were on the air, and we would broadcast it, you know, live and record it mm-hmm. and distribute it as a podcast using the you know traditional throw it out on the sure. RSS feed and put it on iTunes. Oh, very cool. Okay. So you mentioned during our pre-interview, actually in the emails, that, that you've outsourced chunks of things in the production end of things. Yes. Tell me about that. Well, from the very beginning, we outsourced as much of it as we could. We would, our, our process has always been, and, it, and this is our process for everything in our law firm, 
is we, we figure out what we're going to do. We document the system. We outsource as much of it as possible to Americans, uh, and then they help us tweak the system. And then, if possible, we outsource it uh, somewhere offshore in order to reduce the labor cost. And we went through that exact process with these podcasts to the point where with Stay Happily Married, we outsourced every element of it. We had uh, somebody handling uh, guests, somebody drafting uh, and setting up interviews and getting everything organized with the guest from that point, and then uh, somebody doing the interview, and then a fourth person doing the editing and production work. Oh, wow. So we were you know, basically out of the loop. It was handled by these other folks for us step by step. So this wasn't even your voice or a voice of one of the people in the firm that was doing the interview? It was a, the voice of a of, – when you say one of the people in the firm, I mean it was a guy that we hired to well, represent the law okay. firm and be the, the host of the show. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, you know, how do you define one of the people in the firm? But, yeah. <laughs> well, that's got to be a little harder to do these days, especially with the kind of firm you're running nowadays. Yeah. So, so you've stopped doing – the uh, stay happily married uh, after five plus years. What's the uh, what's the story there? Well, the the pr- two objectives of the show. One objective was to generate uh, listeners. You know, just to make sure that people were hearing it, understood our connection to it, and mm-hmm. would call us in the event of of disaster in their marriage. Okay. And you know, we felt like this is the place where you want to meet people is people that are that are struggling with their marriage. We wanted to be involved in their lives early, so a podcast called Stay Happily Married made a lot of sense. Sure. The other objective for the show, and this really proved to, to work very well, was to build relationships and to re- promote the practices of the guests. And the guests were 50% local uh, mental health professionals from North Carolina and 50% these national type guests that are promoting a book or something. You know, there's always somebody that wants to be your guest. Sure. And, uh, and so we built very strong referral relationships with those local guests, and that was an important part of it. But when you get to the point where you've done it 300-plus times, you've, you're into repeating sure. you know, with guests. And so at this point, we've kind of put it on hold. It's now a very large directory. It's a very large repository of a lot of very helpful information. Uh, but we want to decide on a new way to sort of attack it and, and see what we can do with it to take it to the next level because it's kind of stagnant. The shows yeah. come out. It's easy to do. We have a certain number of downloads. It grows, but only a little bit. And and so we wanted to figure out, you know, what's next. You want to go for the high dive, not the not the waiting pool, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, in do five something years challenging. Sure. You know, or six years, it's like, okay, what's next? Yeah. Okay. So have you found that those episodes, the early episodes are evergreen and that they're still attracting listeners because of the subject areas or, the, or who the guests are? And Absolutely. So that generates Absolutely. traffic and brings them in even, even years after you do the episode. Yeah, we'll see a lot of downloads when a new episode comes out, but we get a steady stream of downloads on all the shows. And you can imagine, you know, people are searching for how to survive your spouse having an affair. Mm-hmm. We probably have five episodes on sure. that, you know, various forms, different experts. So people are always anxious about these issues, and they're, they're Googling and looking for information. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I'm interested in the, the, the decision that it was – about staying married, not about how to get a divorce. I mean, people don't go searching Google for that until it's sort of too late. And then they, you know, they want an answer today and they're going to move forward with it. Um, Right. You always want to reach your prospective client before they're hunting for you. 
mm-hmm. know what I mean? You want to build that relationship over time long before they're thinking about hiring a lawyer. Yeah. And so I, you know, like uh, bankruptcy, you know, w- well, we know they're going to declare bankruptcy, but the, the, that decision is made long before they're searching for a lawyer. It's when they're buying the big screen TV, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, and so you can be in the game in their minds and build a connection and build trust long before they actually develop the problem and that recognition of the problem. Yeah. Hmm. That's great. So how many lawyers in the firm? Twelve. Twelve lawyers and, and a support staff as well. Um, yes, although increasingly we've been – we used to have about 45 people in our headcount. Wow. And back to that outsourcing, we've dropped that headcount by more than 50 percent. Mm-hmm. So – Half of our people are working uh, outside of the law firm as independent contractors. Very interesting. That's great. Okay. So uh, um, what is the current thrust of the firm's marketing strategy these days? Well, we do all the, you know, the highest return on investment for us, and I think for anybody, is, um, is uh, networking building relationships and maintaining those relationships. And so that's where we put the bulk of our energy is generating referrals from other professionals as well as from uh, former clients. But in terms of the internet, uh, for us, the biggest source of business is our website. Our website gets, call it 150,000 visitors a month. It's a huge resource. It has tens if not hundreds of thousands of pages of content. And, uh, people come and they trust us because they've learned what they needed to know and they Mm -hmm. call and they come in. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, and, and you're putting out new articles and things as the subjects arise and those kinds of things. And, uh, yes, but mostly we spend our energy improving the existing content. Ah, Okay. Um, because the, the, the information every, you know, the people are new to this to this question. They, they, you know, you don't spend much time thinking about divorce in the same way that you know, if somebody in your family dies, right. you're in and out of the funeral business very quickly. Or if you have a baby, sure. you're in and out of the baby buying of crap business. You know, babies <laughs> are us. Or, but I mean, you know what I mean. You learn about cribs, you yeah. buy one, and then you don't think about it again. Right. And, sure. and that's the nature of most business to consumer oriented legal practices, retail law that practices. Makes a lot of sense, yeah. And so the the questions that they have are the same year after year after year. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we take the answers to those questions and, and expand upon them, make them more helpful, put them in, go from text to video or video yeah. to audio or audio to more images. You, you get the idea. Yeah, sure, sure. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about your blog, Divorce Discourse. How did that get started? That started uh, because I can't stop talking. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm the third year student in law school that the first year asks a question and regrets it. You know, uh, I would not shut up yeah. after. You know, it's like I. But what I really wanted to know is where do you, you know, what paper do you use for your outline? And I'm telling him the history of legal outlines. Right. You know? And so I started writing about this stuff, and the reality is once you start um, and you build a habit, it's almost hard to stop. I don't know that I could stop now if I wanted to. You know, so it's, it's fun. I enjoy it. it. It really – it is the most positive – the source of the most positive feedback that I get in my life 
you know, I think my readers like me more than my wife or my kids. Um, and, and they're nice to me, you know, and so it feels good. And, it, 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 you know, the older I get, the more I realize, well, being helpful to other people is like a good thing. So yeah. I just keep doing it. Now, you, you mentioned earlier, you talked about, you know, um, titles and awareness, you, specifically in the nature of what a podcast is or was five years ago, and people not knowing that as much as uh, what a webinar is. When you chose the title Divorce Discourse for a blog that really isn't about divorce, it's not really about divorce law at all, is it? Right. Um, uh, what was the thinking there or, or was there? <laughs> I want – no, there was thinking. Okay. I, I always want people to know that I'm a divorce lawyer. Sure. And okay. so when I started this blog, I recognized the potential for people to get to know more about me as I wrote it. And mm-hmm. I wanted them to know that I'm not just a lawyer. I wanted, and that's, that's been a theme throughout my practice, mm-hmm. to be very in, in a niche. And, and so the blog is the same thing. I want people to identify me not just as some you know, lawyer in Raleigh, North Carolina. I want them to know that I'm a divorce lawyer in Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. This seemed to be the most efficient way to do it. And, and yes, it is a little off-putting to non-divorce lawyers. You know, if you're a bankruptcy lawyer, you're not sure if you want to read divorce discourse. But they very, to, when they give it a try, they realize, oh, this stuff applies to me too. And so they're in. Yeah. But they never forget when it's time to refer to me. You know, they know I'm their guy in Raleigh that does divorce. Yeah. And you told me that... Uh, that- that's been a tremendously successful strategy is that um, by building the awareness, by doing this blog that is really targeted at lawyers and law practice folks of any ilk, uh, you've, you've seen a a pretty tremendous uh, referral base develop. Yes. You get referrals, you know, when, when you are known in the world as somebody that is helpful to others, um, you build trust and when they need, when they have an opportunity to send you business, mm-hmm. when they need help with something, they turn to you. And so it's just natural that um, I have received a never-ending stream of referrals because of the blog. It, it, you know, I mean, they, they have a case that comes up in Raleigh, which is not something most lawyers have every day, or, right. or in Charlotte, North Carolina. But it's the tenth most populous state. These are two reasonably big cities. Mm-hmm. And we have many thousands of people reading the blog. So every day, one of them has a reason to send some business our way. So it's a numbers game. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so you publish content on that blog, what, about five days a week, right? Usually, yeah. Almost religiously. I know I read, read it religiously. Uh, I don't practice family or divorce law. But there's always nuggets of useful information. Where do you get the ideas, the motivation, the inspiration for uh, this prodigious kind of content production? Well, most of it is stuff that happens to us. Um, you know, every day we're having some issue or another, and so it usually stimulates my thinking. But I've also done some consulting for other lawyers, which is kind mm-hmm. of a nightmare. But um, <laughs> but that gives me an endless stream of of thoughts. You know, doing that, and then occasionally I'll go on the web and do a um, like an ask me anything or mm-hmm. something. Uh, or I'll just open the floor up to questions and have people email me. And I mean, I, I have lists. I could, I could, I mean, I probably have a thousand topics written down from the things that people have given me because there's so many questions that come my way. So what's the workflow? You, you have that list. Do you just 
pick an item off the list every day and sit down to write? Yeah, it's the first thing I do. I sit down wherever I'm going to work and I crank out an article. And some days it takes five minutes and some days it takes an hour. You know, it just depends on on how long the the answer is going to be or the topic is going to be. But it is always my number one thing that I do each morning. Oh, interesting. Do you have a a bank of of articles in the can so that you're – or are you putting out what you wrote this morning today? No, I'm 21 articles ahead as of this morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I have an editor that goes through it, makes sure I don't look like an idiot. She <laughs> fixes my typos and my grammar and that sort of thing, and then she schedules them for publication. Oh, okay. Again, more, more of that outsourcing and hands-off uh, kind of thing. Only do what you're good at. That's right. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. So is all this content creation, oh, you know, it sounds like it's worth it. You've said you get referrals from the divorce discourse. You get clients from, from the other uh, aspects of things. Um, what's the, why do you think it's so effective, the content marketing? Because people, they don't search for lawyers. They search for solutions to their problems. You know, when you have a weird little thing growing on your foot, the first thing you do is not Google foot doctor. You Google um, weird thing growing on my foot and, you, <laughs> you know, and you look for a picture of it and, and you, you, you're open to reading an article or watching a video or whatever. And you want to know, you know, what's the deal with this weird thing on my foot? And when you figure it out, you have a lot of trust for the entity or person that helped you figure it out. And that's who you're going to call. You're not going to, at that point, Google foot doctor if you've already met somebody on the Internet that you trust. You're going to go to them. And so if somebody has a North Carolina divorce question, they're going to find us almost instantly when they Google the question that they've got. And we're going to give them a great answer, not just a good answer, not just a a search engine optimization type answer. We're going to give them thousands if not tens of thousands of words and video and audio to answer that question and when they're done figuring out the answer they're going to trust us fantastic so you've got these hundreds of episodes of podcasts i'm going to take you back to podcasting a little because that after all is my (laughs) my thing um hundreds of episodes of podcasts. what what there must have been at some point a nightmare moment in in the making of those podcast episodes have you you know, it, it really has, has gone um, pretty well for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done all the classic, you know, dumb things. Forget not to press record. The, <laughs> yeah, not hitting the record button. I mean, we've lost shows, yeah. which by and large for us has not been a big deal unless we had a guest that we really, yeah. you know, were embarrassed because we had done that. But, um, but mostly, you know, it's not rocket science. Um, and today, you know, with things like SoundCloud and... Mm-hmm. And uh, and so many I mean, even like the things we used to do with the call-in shows. I mean, they've made it so simple now. They're you know software as a service hosted call-in products now. And mm-hmm. and uh, you know when I record something now, and I used to use like the Heil PR40 or the Electro Voice RE20. Mm-hmm. Now I use a little Rode microphone that plugs into my iPhone. Yeah. You know, and so uh, gosh, it just feels a little bit like it's become kind of brain dead uh, simple today. The problem today, I think is that it's hard to make great content. Um, there was not as much competition when we started this in 2008. Yeah. 
uh, boy, today, I mean, some of the stuff that I listen to, and I listen to podcasts, you know, all week long, probably 25 different shows. Some of it, the production is just amazing. And it's hard for the average lawyer to compete with that. Sure, sure. Well, you know, part of my premise is that you don't have to compete with it as long as you reach a sort of baseline level of quality that is, you know, comfortable to listen to and you're giving useful content. You know, sort of like the the design of the blog versus the content of the blog. Um, Yeah, design matters. You want it to be attractive to the eye, but it doesn't have to be the most gorgeous thing they've ever seen in order to provide valuable information. So would you recommend a podcast as a tool for a lawyer who's trying to grow their practice? You know, it would depend um, on the audience and every marketing tactic. You know, obviously you have to have the right message, but mm-hmm. you have to you have to use the appropriate tactic for your audience. And so, as an example, um, I think Facebook is a magically uh, wonderful tactic to use if you're an adoption lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, people want to share about adopting a child. Um, if you're an immigration lawyer and you become a citizen. That's a wonderful thing to, to be talking about on, on Facebook. And mm-hmm. people love to share that information, and they're happy to help build your practice sure. in that area. What you do with entertainment law, mm-hmm. uh, you have an audience of people that get podcasting yeah. you know, and that understand the idea of using audio in this way. Mm-hmm. But if I'm, an immigra- if I'm a, a bankruptcy lawyer, family lawyer, personal injury lawyer, you know, all, all these business-to-consumer um, uh, space type practices, mm-hmm. I think it's a tough a tough thing to make work for you. But if you're in the right business to business play, you know you're you're you've got an audience mm-hmm. of say agrochemical uh, businesses that want to keep up to date in that format, then that may be a, a great place for it. So I think it, the answer really, in my mind, depends on on who your audience is. Got to have the right tactic for the right audience. Okay. So what advice would you offer to a lawyer who's just getting started in, in their own practice, whether they're a young lawyer getting started out on their own for the first time or building their own firm for the first time or even, I guess, um, you know, within a firm, lawyers have the marketing role, to, the hat to wear, don't they? What's yeah. the advice you give? If you're new at this, um, the first two things to do are to figure out your story. What is it about you that's special and interesting? Because everybody in the world talks about, oh, I'm a lawyer and, you know, I'm great, I'm I'm smart and educated and, you know, efficient. you got to figure out the story you can tell. And then you've got to figure out your client's story. What is it like to be them? You want to be able to describe their problem better than they can say it themselves. Because the minute they hear it from you, they realize you get it. You understand them. And if you understand them, you must know the solution. So you you have to get your story and their story down pat first before you apply any of these tactics. And then you figure out which one of these tactics feels comfortable to you, is affordable to you, and will work for your audience. So that might be networking, it might be the website, might be the blog, might be podcasting, might be Facebook or Twitter. Um, There are a tremendous number of options, but, but the key is pick one. Don't pick a multitude of them and go into that one deep and tell their story and your story over and over in every way you can. Wow, that's fantastic. That, that's, that's the cap on this thing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Anything else you want to add before we 
wrap it up? I, I think you pulled out some good stuff. Yeah. I appreciate it. Great. Well, this has been a terrific interview, and I know. I mean, I've, I've been looking forward to it, at least since you said yes. And uh, as I said, I, I read your material every day, and uh, I, it's it's been a tremendous pleasure for me to speak to you, and I'm really grateful. So, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. Now, how can listeners find and reach you if they have questions or interest or whatever? The very best place is to go to divorcediscourse.com. Down at the bottom of every page, you'll see my direct phone number and my email address. I'm happy to get uh, comments and feedback and questions. I'm here if you need me. Okay. I want to just say thanks also to our listeners. Please take a moment to send us your comments and suggestions on the website at lawpodcaster.com and a review on the iTunes store or on Stitcher, wherever else you listen to the show. Uh, That would be very welcome and helpful. And uh, that just about wraps it up for this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. If you are interested in podcasting for your practice, please visit lawpodcasting.com and I'll send you the free Law Podcasting resource and quick start guide. I'll be launching the Power Podcasting for Lawyers course very soon and you'll also be added to our early VIP notification list. And until next time, keep on podcasting. 